Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. I hope you're ready for more banjo duets, because this week's friend is Tim Rowell. Tim's a fantastic clawhammer banjoist, tune collector, and educator. We had an awesome time hanging out in Bach Bowie's apartment in Boston. And Bach joins us for most of the tunes, kind of playing fiddle backup while we take the melody. It's awesome. <laughs> if by the end of the interview you want to hear us play some more, stick around and I'll tell you how to get access to the weekly bonus track. Also, if you're an aspiring banjoist, Tim's a great teacher and you should totally hit him up for some Skype lessons or in-person lessons if you're in the Boston area. More details to follow. One final note, uh, for those of you who are squeamish about cusses, there's a cuss in this episode. Sorry. Uh, I gave it the explicit tag so that Apple Podcasts won't get mad at me. All right, let's get started. Tim Rowell, everybody. Enjoy.
Yes. Headphones. <laughs> uh, very, very pretty tune with a horrifying title. <laughs> Spider Bit the Baby. <laughs> Tim Rowell, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Well, thank you. Welcome to Box House. Bok Bui. Thanks for being back on Get Up in the Cool. Of course. As our, in. Yeah, yeah, as our accompanying fiddler. <laughs> um that's how I'm thinking of it, at least. <laughs> yeah, right. or, or, or willing... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Tim, we met at um, Banjo Camp North in 2013. And uh, mostly I see you at, at Gennaro. That's when we've, we've hung out the most, I think. Especially this... Especially the last couple of years. And uh, I actually actually transcribed some of the, uh, some of the tunes that we did tonight from like your versions because oh you, you're a good collector yeah. of of tunes and interesting versions and the way that you interpret banjo uh, fiddle melodies onto the banjo is very compelling to me and uh, it's really fun to do banjo duets with when you both parties know what they're doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah you sound great thanks man um, how did you will you tell me how you got into playing old time music did you were you raised on it or did you pretty much when I was uh when I was really like 10, 11, 12, uh, I lived in Austin, New York. I mean, my family's still there. And we're right down the river from Beacon on the Hudson River. Yes. So uh, Pete Seeger would, would uh, we all joined these Clearwater clubs because cause a GE had really polluted the, the river where, to a point where you couldn't fish it. Yeah. And so Pete Seeger would come in once a month get all the kids, round us all up, we'd go down in the river and we'd pick up trash or clean whatever. And then we would have a potluck supper and play together with Pete. Oh and my goodness. Would, yeah, it was really it was really a great thing that he did. And uh, let's see, Clearwater either had just been built or it was in, in the process. And so sometimes we would meet on the boat and play together. And uh, so I really, learn that style of playing banjo first. My parents, when I was 12, uh, bought me a, a, a Sears Harmony, a used Sears Harmony long neck. Yeah. Yeah, plastic rim banjo, you know. Yeah. Um, it was a crazy, crazy <laughs> thing with a long neck. And uh, so that's how I was kind of, you know, I learned to play in this Seeger style where you pick up, brush yes. out, yes. and thumb, which is really insane you know what it it feels really strange but it has a has a sort of rolling quality yeah that is like really nice if you i've messed with it a little bit i talked with pete about it and he said well he kind of adapted that really from playing guitar yeah because he was really a guitar player i mean the whole thing about the extra three frets on the end of yes playing e you know naturally which he played an e and sang you know yeah big tall deep voice it worked for him yeah and uh so I played that, and then I heard the Country Cooking album, which was Tony Trishka and Pete Mornick, which was one of the most amazing banjo things I'd ever heard. But I couldn't, you know, I couldn't figure it out. You know, yeah. and there weren't any teachers that taught like that. You know, maybe there were down in New York City, but there weren't in Austin, in New yep. York. And um, so that's so I played that way until getting into college. I was a music major in college, and into ethnomusicology mm. and uh, one of the one of the teachers in the department brought this guy named Steve Moat in from the Ozarks and he he played uh, regular with the Stone Kings you know Fred Stone King Lee Stone King Lee Stone King was a father Fred was a son and um, and so he came in and because I was working my way through college I had a certain amount of scholarships and you automatically they, you had to take a certain amount of mm-hmm. music lessons. Mm-hmm. Being a music major, you know, they, they just made you do that. And uh, so I took some lessons from this guy, and he was playing claw hammer, and I was like, that's it. Yeah. That's what I want to do. You know, it's enough different from the Seeger stuff. It's fiddle tunes. Yes. And uh, so I learned. I didn't get to spend that much time with him, but I, uh, I learned 12 or 15 tunes, which I then played hard until I really got here to Boston. And that's 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 how I was into old-time music. I, uh, this tune that we just played, uh, Spider Bit the Baby, uh, was really kind of from the bluegrass uh, yeah. fiddler Kenny Baker, you know, who played with uh, Bill Monroe. But I heard the tune 
played in a contest in the Berkshires in maybe 92 or 93. And I entered that contest and it was almost over and I thought I thought I had done pretty well. And then uh-huh. Oren Starr, who had come up from New York City, came in and then beat the hell out of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> he really kind of kicked my ass. and it was, it was great. I mean, he was just really good. And I just realized how much more there was. And I really didn't start kind of really like on fire with old time until getting to Boston. Yeah. I think I moved here 99 maybe, 2000, and there were a couple of old time jams that were like three hours long that happened every week. So I went, I went to those without fail for years. Not only did I go to those, I wrote down every single tune that was played. So I had a list that I eventually compiled and, and, uh, I don't know, I figured out that there are about 200 tunes that are kind of in the local yes. minds at any one time. Yeah. The hive mind. And uh, I just really wanted to, to start learning them. So I really I really worked on it in a very kind of... Uh, uh, a really kind of formal way. You know, having been a composition major in music in college. And uh, I, I just just made sense to me and uh so i put them all in a database <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then spreadsheet you know and i had you know i had like three levels of tunes tunes that i knew i could start with yes i could just recall from memory and then tunes i knew i could play if someone else was playing if there's a fiddler yeah and then there were the tunes i was just in the weeds on <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> you know? so, so then i tried to you know tried constantly moving in and trying to say the names and remember the first line and all like that. And you know, eventually it started to get easier. Right on. Now I had to ask about, so Pete Seeger, yeah. did, did he, was it just in that one video or did he regularly refer to his, his, his technique as the, the bum titty? He did. He did. And, and I stopped, <laughs> I stopped saying that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I just can't get over that. I know. I know. I it's, in, like, it's in the book, you know, it's in the book. You know, I have one of the first versions of his book. And, yeah, Bum Titty. Playing that Bum Titty. Yeah. Yeah, someone told me that, like, uh, he was introducing um, Elizabeth Cotton, mm-hmm. like, at some show. And he was like, she's a cotton-picking guitarist. And then, like, you like now in retrospect, it's like, ugh. Yeah. Come on, Pete. But you know why that was? Well, she... She played her guitar upside down and left-handed. Right. Right, and so... She'd get those bass notes with her pinky, right? Or well, something. but she used her thumb on the lead notes. Oh, my God. Right, and it's so crazy. that style became known as cotton picking. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Huh. It was, a, it was a thing. You still see it today. Cotton picking. You can see it in, like, some YouTube videos. Interesting. Them talking about the style that was called cotton picking. Now, can you... Can you do that if you're not playing upside down? And backwards? Yeah. Maybe if you string your guitar backwards. <laughs> well, actually, kind of. I mean, you know, when you think of, uh, you know, the, what they call Carter-style guitar picking, you know, they, even though the guitar was right side up and, and right-handed, yeah. uh, a lot of the melody was carried on the lower notes. Right. You know, where she was carrying melody on the higher notes with her thumb. Yeah. The same I but they, it was basically a very similar idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always just so impressed with like the ways that left-handed people um, uh, adapt. adapt to fit in with the world. Wait. There's this band Tanarwin, do you know them? Uh-uh. They're from Mali. Uh-huh. Uh, they're like a Tuareg um like just like nomadic desert people mm-hmm. and they have this just like uh desert blues band and uh, anyway, they're incredible. But uh, one of the one of them is left-handed, and he'll he'll play this this music just with a with an upside down guitar or his upside down bass, and like just watching it, it's just like I don't understand what's going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like it's so bizarre to watch. Well, you know, I, I teach a lot of kids, like kids, like first timers, like yeah. little tiny kids, and I teach them all, a whole range of instruments, and uh, I and a bunch of teachers I work with, we all kind of believe that the left-handed kids 
pl- have an advantage when they're playing right-handed instruments. Interesting. Because if you're left-handed, or even if you're right-handed, your fine motor skills are in, like, a, if you're lefty, yeah. your fine motor skills in your left hand. Yeah. So why not have them, why not have them, like, yeah. if you're finger-picking in your, you know, in your right, in yes. not your right hand. For us, it's our right hand. Yeah. This is where we need it all. Right, right. And that's your left hand, you know, right. up on the neck. So, uh, so we always encourage, most of us encourage parents to put their left-handed kids on right-handed instruments. Yeah, I think it makes sense also just so that they can play whatever instrument they want sure. in the future. You know? Or whatever's in somebody's house when yeah. they go over, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you a bunch more about teaching, because I know okay. that's like a big part of your life, yeah. and it has been for a long time. And, uh, but let's play another tune first. Let's get to, the, get to G and play Stumptail Dolly. Uh, so, this this is from uh, I, I made this. And it's from from Gennaro, um, From must have been last Gennaro, If not, no, I think it's two Gennaros ago. I want you to look at look at the table table of contents there. I haven't filled it out or anything. For the listeners, it's a little like DIY. Oh my uh, god! Look and look at number five. Oh my god! That's your that's your stumptail dolly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you find it, I, I wrote it out because I was so so into this tune and that extra note that you put in ah. do you find it <laughs> yeah except you got me listed as tim o'brien i love that yeah I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to be tim o'brien i did write yeah. tim o'brien because uh, i didn't know who tim o'brien was and i was like it was tim people say tim o'brien a lot <laughs> so this obviously i know you better now <laughs> I love that though. Yeah, that's, I want to take a picture okay. of this. That's the folk process at work. Yeah, it's totally, that's awesome. Yeah, that's totally cool. Yeah, I just noticed that when I was looking. I was like, Tim O'Brien. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, uh, all right. Oh, did you have a story about this? The very special E major chord, like where? Yeah, you know, a lot of people that? play this, and they, and a lot. It's called Stump Tailed Dolly. And you see it as stump town dolly. You see it as t- stump tailed two words dolly. And uh, a lot of people play it really square. And I have a whole kind of process when I try to find out if I want, if I like a tune, I've just kind of learned. Uh, well, Kathy Mason says she just hoses a tune when she doesn't really know it. Hosing it, you know, and so when I don't want to hose a tune that like I've learned at a festival, you know, I just I go through this whole process of trying to find, you know, a uh, you know a source recording that I like. Yeah. And then, um, and so on this one, there are the Salyer, uh, the John Salyer, you know, the Kentucky fiddler. His there's a set of reel to reel recordings that you used to be able to get i think on cassette tape finally they're on dvd or on a cd that you can get from berea college and so the version of this from that were recorded in his house yeah are uh the guitar player is clearly playing an e major chord instead of a instead of a e minor chord and it just adds such an edge to the thing yeah, it's and spooky. then he plays it this extra beat in it in in this other part, and everybody, you know, I don't know what happens in the, you know, when you're all I guess trying to find common ground, you know, you kind of round the edges down and to find something that everybody can play together, but I I often find that, you know, the the crooked weird stuff that are in earliest played I think are yeah. a little bit more. I don't know, to me it's more interesting. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's worth everyone being a little bit like, wait, hold on, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially the E major. E major in the key of G is just yeah. That's just <laughs> that's balls. I mean, it's just yeah. Really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really great. And and you get you know you get in fights you know with guitar players, but when you find a guitar player that that wants to they go, oh yeah, I'm hey, playing E hey, major. You cool? Then, then you're good. You down? Uh, Tim Fitzpatrick is like yeah. <laughs>
Tail Dolly. Tim O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you were entertained by that. And so would have felt a little embarrassed. Oh, no, it's great. So teaching. Um, here's a question. I just recently started teaching Clawhammer Banjo. How do, you, how do you teach Clawhammer Banjo? It's a crazy technique on a crazy instrument. So counterintuitive and illogical sometimes. How do you, what's your method? Wow. How do you, how do you get people to enjoy playing it and like feel, unlock it? Well, that's a great question. It's a great question. And, uh, you know, everybody, everybody learns in a different way is really what the challenge is. And everybody has a different relationship between your, your eyes and your right hand and your eyes and your left hand. And then beyond that, you can be right-eyed or left-eyed dominant. You know, I mean, sometimes when you hold your banjo right hand and yeah. I and we f- sit opposite each other, yeah. you, I, the student can't always process yeah. looking at it yeah. backwards. Yeah. So sometimes you have to put the student next to you. And then when yeah. that way, when they look over at your hand, it looks like their hand. That's good stuff. It never would have occurred to me to do yeah. that. Yeah, and you ha- and and it's just trial and error. You know, yeah, like that some makes people, so much sense. Yeah, and some people, some people, uh, I always try to get them working by ear before tab. Yes. And then, like with an adult, I try to do that and then give them a tab at the end. Yeah. So they can spur their memory. Yes. So that, and then I tried looping stuff a lot. Yeah. So there are all of those, all of those issues. And, and then some, I don't know, uh, I have the hardest time, believe it or not, with retired MIT professors. It's like, it's like, it's like fucking impossible to, to, to teach them anything. You know, and then because they have to, because they're already geniuses. What else? Yeah, they have to understand the physics behind this or that, and oh my god, and and and, and in music, it's just not a straight translation all the time. You know, yeah. sometimes it is. So you've got to, so you know, I would say especially with the banjo, like yeah. you have to like, I mean, there's a lot of a great deal of thought that you could put into it, but at the end of the day, it's like a, it's yeah. a drum on a stick. Yeah, it's you gotta treat stick. it like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I when I was younger, like like way younger, like in the seventies, I think I got Ken Perlman's book in hardback, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, I, I like I kind of like his the the idea of his teaching. You know, some parts of it. You know, he'll start with you know like. All right, here's the rhythm, you know, here's how your hand works. Here's, you know, here's a, a pull off, you know, and then and then it's a song using only pull offs, you right. know, and then it's a song using only hammer-ons. So what I took away from that was songs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, songs are really great to help people remember stuff, you know, because if you can get them somehow singing or somehow yeah. singing the, Yes. You know, I also use solfege with a lot of people. Yes, and I'm I, such a big solfege nerd, and yeah, people yeah. get annoyed every time I pull yeah, that out. And I, I make them do the hand signals yes. and everything, and uh, I make them speak rhythms. You know, speak Are you a tabla rhythm. teacher. <laughs> that's no, oh, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know, you know, this is the greatest thing yeah. ever. I'm holding my iPhone, and there's a, you know, like I use Clear Tune. You know, so what's that? ClearTune is just a tuning app on this. Okay. And yeah. then I'll sing something and, and then you can see, okay, there it is. That's so one with that dial, it looks like an analog. Yeah. 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 Like if I hear a fiddle tune, yeah, I pull up the fiddle tune. And then I, and then if we've done a solfege work, I could, oh, where's Do? Yeah. And then we find Do and then we sing Do into ClearTune. And yeah. then that tells us what key the thing is in. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's a great thing. Yes. And then the metronome in... in um, it's called Pro Metronome. It's oh, also, I use that one. I have the three dollar version. Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So you can turn it sideways, so my old eyes can see the bigger yeah. version. And it lets you set like practice things where it's like yeah. every twelve bars, it'll like 
yeah. go up a few clicks or whatever. That's right. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And uh, I try to get people using the metronome. You know, I, I, I teach a bunch of different stringed instruments, and I try to get everybody using the metronome, yes. and everybody hates it. Yeah. <laughs> everybody just hates it, but it is such... It's pressure. It's your friend. I mean, yeah. it is your friend. It shows you exactly what you need to learn. It yeah. shows you where you need to learn it, which is even better. Yeah. When you make the mistake, you know, most white American males just go back to the beginning and then hope that they don't make the mistake second time through. Yeah. And it never happens. You always make the mistake again. Yeah. So by the time you've done it three or four times, you've practiced the mistake pretty well. And yeah. You're pretty good at it. You know, but the mistake is like the red flag that says, okay... This, yeah, I'm what in. you need to practice right now. Yeah. Now, you don't need to go back to the beginning. You're just right here. And then I make them go back a little bit. And I call it rocking horse. You know, a few yeah. beats back, a few beats forward. Mm-hmm. A little bit more, a little bit more. So it's in context before you start again from the beginning. Of course, when you actually start going to old time jams, that's like all it is. Is that like, oh, I hope I get it this pass through. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. But that's but, your training. That's a different thing. Yeah, totally. It becomes a different thing. Totally. Yeah, and uh, but as far as like the the right hand, which is really what you know what people really, especially if they're guitar players, then the right hand becomes an impossible thing because they're used to using the thumb kind of in a in a uh, in a different way. Yes, you know, and whereas you know we our thumb travels with the hand rather than independently of the hand. Yes, and so. Um, I even I try all kinds of physical tricks to try to get the motion in um, muscle memory, and I find that is a lot more effective. I do all kinds of things like take a couple of socks, roll them up so you have a, a roll about you know two and a half inches, maybe three inches, and then and then take that and wrap it in rubber bands. Yeah, and then you put that on the banjo. And the rubber will keep it from sliding as long as you keep a little bit of pressure with your wrist. What you're saying. But then it keeps your wrist far enough away from the head. Yeah. You know, so you what, have to do an arm movement instead of a well, you have to do flick the with hand. your fingers. Yeah, 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 that's right. You got actually yeah. you have to do a hand, you gotta hinge at the wrist. Now their teachers, the thing about banjo camp that always kills me is that every teacher who teaches clawhammer says my way, not Tim Rowe, my way is the way. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. nothing else makes sense. Right. I mean, even some very, at least one very famous teacher is very, uh, is totally adamant about his right. way of teaching. And then I remember the year that that I was there, and I think I was working the merch table, and I had to meet him after camp to give him his money. Yeah. So he was at a house concert uh-huh. and where he was playing, and he was not doing one thing. <laughs> Do what I say. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, with all that in mind, it's just like everybody, you got to find the, the student's learning style. Yeah. And you have to, as a teacher, you have to, you know, you're learning as well. I mean, it's two sides, teaching and learning are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So you've got to find the way to get in. Mm-hmm. You got to find the key, something to hook, to hook them and get them doing something, you know. And uh, like I, I have this uh, this guy's got to be in his sixties right now. He's an architect. He's an architect, and he's uh, the way he. It was kind of rough going yeah. for a month or so, and then we. I said, well, let's play on top of Old Smokey. Yeah. He's now he's on fire. Yeah, because before it was just numbers and strings right. and frets and this and that, and then the minute he was able to make something that sounded like music himself, yeah, forget it. And then Katie barred the door because he's you know he's <laughs> he's he is like he's off to the races. It's awesome. Yeah, like I came in uh, this morning, and he uh, and he played Shady Grove for me. You know, out of the blue. You know. And yeah. So and so as a teacher, then it's your job at that point. To say, okay, that's great. Have you heard this? Yes. So then I played him the primitive characters version of Shady Grove. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard that in the key of D, it's like one of the greatest recordings ever, you know. And he's like, oh my God, that's great, you know. Then we were able to change the whole conversation for the rest of the lesson <coughs> to like, all right, how, where's the rhythm? Yeah. How do you groove? 
you know, where, you know, what's going, you know, what, you know, one and two and three and four and, okay, yeah. what does swing mean? What does it mean to delay one of the eighth notes? Yeah. You know, all that stuff all of a sudden came alive just because he got excited about yes. about two weeks ago about, uh, you know, on top of Old Smokey. Yeah. And, you know, and so now we're talking about real groove. So I don't know. There's, you got to have a lot of tricks in your bag to yeah. be a teacher, but the more you teach, the better you get at it. And I don't know. I figured it out this week or last week. I think I, I've, I have given, I've delivered more, this is going to sound crazy, but in the last 10 years, I've delivered more than 15,000 lessons, one-on-one lessons. And and it's probably much more. That's kind of like a, I think that's a low number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And the more, the more I teach and the more I teach different instruments, even though I'm not like a great player on some of them, the more you start to see how they're all connected rather than how they're separate silos. Yeah. You know, of things that, you know, I haven't cracked the violin yet. <laughs> but, but, you know, you know, mandolin, you know, yeah. mandolin, we think of it as eight strings, but it's really only four strings. Yeah. It's four courses. You're, you got four fingers on your hand. That's why guitar was always hard for me because my vision is so bad that like, I could never figure out which set of strings my fingers were on. Yeah. But banjo, you got four on top. Ukulele, four on top. You know, uh, mandolin, four on top. Dulcimer, four on top sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's a good question, but didn't mean to go on. No, I really appreciate it. I like, I, I don't teach much banjo. I hope to do more, but I teach mostly like pop music and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the song is, it doesn't matter. You can make it work. Yeah. Know? It's. Yeah, I just, it's sometimes it's so like mysterious, you know, how to like the reach, just the diversity of, I had this one student and she, she wanted to uh, do (laughs) the title of the song is the best song ever by one direction. Oh God. And, uh, and, uh, she just really wanted to do this and it was just three power chords Mm -hmm. and, um, she, she couldn't, she could not figure it out. And then we, we were just chipping away at this thing for months and then eventually I was like, um, will you just sing it for me? And then like I played it and she sang it. And then I was like, maybe you should try to sing this and play mm-hmm. it at the same time. And then the next lesson she came in and she was basically nailing it. Like, she really was. She, she was just like, obviously that's why she... She didn't want to play a One Direction song because of the chord progression. Mm. <laughs> she, you know, like, yeah, I don't know why it took me that long to figure it out, yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, but, the, you know, once she was like, oh, this is something that I can use to do. But now she's, yeah, now she's playing Beethoven. Isn't it amazing? It's yeah. like you find the hook, the one thing that unlocks it all. Yeah. And that's really the thrill, I think, of yeah. teaching, you know. Uh, on top of Old Smokey. Everyone's got their on top of Old Smokey. I guess. And I, never, I, never, I don't remember ever playing it on the banjo or ever yeah. singing it or any, except for as a kid. And I don't know how it popped in, you know, somehow. Yeah. I don't know, some kind of weird divine banjo intervention or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mostly know it as on top of spaghetti. Right. I'll cover it with cheese. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I lost my poor meatball when somebody sneezed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what we were singing when we were working it in this house. <laughs> Honest, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this man. old architect, you know. Yeah, does like, anyone even know the original words? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I looked them up. I looked them up because of that, and yeah. there's like 10 verses, and they're all really interesting. Okay. Oh, my God. You're going to have to revisit that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all of it. I mean, all the early stuff, you know, the early lyrics are just unbelievable and dark and weird and twisted and wonderful, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Cool. Anyway, good job getting her to sing. I think, I think singing is the key to a lot of things yes. you know getting like vocalizing a line and then turning it in I, I talk a lot about turning it into a sentence of a question and answer yeah. sentence so you get the phrase here's you know uh, there's the answer yeah here's the question the, there's the question here's the answer yeah right and then once they can say okay the first part is yeah. this and in old time music it works really great because 
I don't, I don't know. We don't want to have a discussion about how, you know, cut time and not, but yeah. it's like four beats is the question and the next four big beats is the answer. Yeah. You know, and once you get that in, in your head and, and yeah. the great thing about all time music, it just comes around and around and each time you can pick up a new note and, yeah. you know. And then there's more complicated conversations. Yeah. Like you'll get into a tune where it's like, okay, there's a question and then there's the answer with an addendum, right. you know, right. or something, you know, and then yeah, yeah. things like yeah. that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. let's play this lost girl. All right. I think it's one of those beautiful, uh, I think it's one of the most beautiful Salyer tunes ever. I mean, uh, anyway, it's just, there's this, you know, G, I think of this honking, wonderful honking key that you can do everything. Yes. In. But boy, you can be so sensitive in this tune and in this key, and and it was Salier that you know actually showed it to me. It's actually Mac Benford who turned me on to this tune. So thanks, Mac. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, banjo camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Nice. <laughs> Bach, I love that you yeah, interpreted Bach, that as a, as a four chord there. Like in. Yeah. Da, 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 da. That's oh, how yeah. I learned it, by the way. That's really pretty that way. I've yeah. never heard it like that before. Yeah, not in minor. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, when, when Mac plays it on guitar, yeah. he just goes G, C, G, D the whole way through. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an awesome way to do that tune, I think. Man. Yeah. That's so very like I feel kind of emotional. Like yeah. <laughs> that's just a really, a really special it's, tune. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. really something. All right, let's uh, let's get to uh, your special E minor tuning. You want to describe this for the banjo players out there? What, what oh, are you yeah. doing for this? So this is a. Uh, let's see. What is this? Glory um, in the meeting house. Glory in the meeting house, and I think this is Luther Strong, right? It's a Luther Strong. That's thing. the main version I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, anyway, so it, the the tune is basically in E minor. So I don't know when I started working on it, I thought, you know, you can you can keep your your ring finger and your middle finger on frets two of strings one and four the whole time. Yeah. But it's also easier just to. Yeah. It just if you take your fourth string and tune it from D to an E, then you have basically an open E minor seven chord. <laughs> you know the old old time E minor seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you fret the if you fret the first string at, at two, yeah. then you have you have everything just a, a, a good E minor. Let me, let me just work on the tuning just a tiny bit on this. Sure. Thank you. 
Yeah, people have written about this, uh, you know, as, you know, the, the, you know, as being, you know, the people putting their hands up in the air. Yeah, yeah. You know. I know. Singing glory. Yeah, let's get into A modal real quick. Well. It's a miracle. <laughs> Christmas miracle. <laughs>
tune. Yeah. Thank What's God. that called? It's called Thank God Bach Was Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know that tune by uh, many melodies. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Hanning's Farewell. Yeah. From J.S. Price. So. I know. Yeah. I have not heard that yeah, one before. Uh, Liz Toffee turned me yeah, on. Yeah, right on. A long time ago. Genera. Yeah, and so she's good for that. Yeah, Gennaro's good for a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, it's good for the soul. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> All right, right on. Well, let's um, let's get to D real quick, yeah. and then we'll we'll play our last tune. All right. Meeting of calfskin heads. Yeah, mine's a goat. Mine too, actually. <laughs> Where'd you get yours? Balch. Jump off. Me too. Yeah. yeah, he's the man. Yeah, he is. That's what he's doing. So funny. I remember uh, I was on the phone with him trying to change this over. You know, Will Fielding didn't really do much with skinheads, you know. And uh, so I had to go through a couple of heads first and then think, I just this time I'm going to try it. Got on the phone with him and I'm like, okay, John, this, uh, you know, this, this is what I got. This is what I want, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he went into this whole kind of, all right, what's the difference? And went into this whole thing and said, you know, the four star, <laughs> you know, talk about the four star heads, you know, they're milled, they're custom milled. So they're exactly the same dimension huh. all the way across. And, you know, and, and the goat skin, although this is, you know, this is the most expensive one. Yeah, yeah. You know, he went on, he spent like, I don't know, 20 minutes trying not to sell me the most expensive, you know, skin head yeah. that he had. It's like, have you ever talked to a banjo player before? And then it's well, like how much money they just blow on just gear and yeah, just and, like, I, and so I'm like, how much is this, this, yeah. this super expensive head? And he says, well, I, I'm afraid I have to charge, you know, like $70. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, and then I, you went, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Like, okay, I think I can do that. All right. So, Tim, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, uh, thanks for asking. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, this this is awesome. super fun and yeah. being box headphones. Yes. Yeah. Texas headphones. That's right. It's great. Um, so, how do how do people, um, what do you want to, like, plug or promote? Like, are you oh, looking man. for students or? I'm always looking for students, you know, I do yeah. a bunch of Skype lessons. I got like, perfect. Like I like a guy in Scotland, you know, I've got uh, yeah. folks all over, not that many, but I got a bunch. Yeah. And then, uh, I teach at the real school of music kind of during the week and that's in Burlington. It's one of our four or five locations. And then I go to people's houses at, almost at any other time at the yeah. drop of a hat. So great. Uh, you, you just look me up, Tim Rowell. You know, you put that in banjo. In I come up. Uh, Boston banjo teacher is kind of my, kind of like my official, you know, moniker and website. And or Clawhammer Tim. I've got, <laughs> I don't know. I've got 140 videos. You know, kind of online at, on YouTube. But you know, they come up under Tim Rowell. So and I do those mostly for students. So it's just like. I try to play it simply, not too fast. Yeah. Just, you know, a handful of times through, you know, so people can remember during the week. Totally. That sounds good. Yeah. So, Snake Chairman? Yeah, Snake Chairman.
That's how that tune goes. If you're inspired by all that banjo playing and want to learn more, check out Tim's website, timrowell.com, and get a hold of him for some lessons. He can teach you in person if you're in the Boston area, or on Skype if you're in the U.S. or Europe. He's also got tablature books, and he's hoping to debut his newest book of arrangements at Banjo Camp North, which is an awesome camp, by the way. That's where I met Tim, as well as Steve Arkin, Alan Kaufman, and Adam Hurt. Also, side plug, Jane Rothfield is teaching fiddle there this year, and she's the best. She claims to have magical teaching powers. But if you're going for banjo, definitely hang out with Tim and ask him for Clawhammer advice. He's one of the most experienced folk music educators out there. He's fantastic at the banjo, and his arrangements are really tasteful and intuitive. And he's obviously put a great deal of thought into how to relate to his students and meet them where they're at. Not all old-time players are great teachers. And not all great teachers are great players. But Tim, he's the whole package. And on top of that, he's just really pleasant to hang out with. Go to Banjo Camp North, hang out with Tim, buy his books, and uh, sign up to take some lessons with him. If you want to hear us play Willett's Hornpipe, we jammed on it for this week's bonus track. You can get the secret link to the bonus track blog by signing up to support Get Up in the Cool on Patreon, which is the only way to make money with podcasts short of being a shill for MailChimp. Just go to CameronDeWitt.com, click the Patreon button, or uh, follow the link on the Get Up in the Cool Facebook page, or in this episode's description on your app. The weekly bonus track blog is one of the rewards available to Patreon supporters. You can also get MP3s of each episode's tunes, or just throw in a little cash to let me know that you like the show and want me to keep making it, because at the end of the day, I'm just a whimsical artist type who loves to start projects and then promptly quit them. I swear, I'm not trying to hold the show ransom. It's just the way it is. Every dollar is a little more encouragement to keep doing this very time-intensive thing, which I love. Uh, But like I said, whimsy. Thanks for listening, friends. That's all for now. Come back same time next week for more Get Up in the Cool.